Welcome to Living Fellowship. We uh, welcome everyone online also. Uh, appreciate you being there. Appreciate all of you guys being here today. We're going to continue in some thoughts this week from last week. If you have your Bibles, we could turn to Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter. Now, quick review. I should have the uh, recording from last week online sometime today. As a matter of fact, I want to try to work some diligence here and put both of them up because they complement one another. What we're going to speak today, if things go according to plan. <clears throat> but uh, we talked last week about the fear of the Lord. And then we talked about an opposing fear. And we showed you that in the eyes of God, there's only one fear. But when things go out from God, they end up getting changed. They end up getting perverted. Even as gospel, as Paul proclaimed in Galatians, the first chapter. So when you're looking at things like uh, fear or even his love, the love of God, when it goes from God, there's times where man will change into something else. So today, specifically talking about the fear of the Lord, we're going to read, it's only in the Bible one time, <clears throat> but it's called godly fear. So we're going to refer to that as godly fear. And then in 2 Timothy, the first chapter and the seventh verse, Paul said, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Now, I want you to note something real quick. When it's talking about this spirit of fear, which is not the fear of the Lord, which is a fear that has been perverted that torments us at times. It's the one that 1 John talks about. I believe it's 1 John, the fourth chapter. He said, he that feareth is not yet made perfect in love because fear hath torment. This fear keeps you separated from God. This fear tells you that God doesn't love you, that God's against you, that God is a consuming fire and will destroy you. It's the one that tells you you should not trust God, that you should not believe in God, that, that He is against you. So it perverts your true understanding of who God really is because God is love and God is kind and God is merciful. And so when we receive something, well, let me say it this way. Do you realize at this point, I guess I better back up and for that, do you believe there's such a thing as a devil? I mean, the Bible tells you about it, right? You got people that are atheists and people that are uh, agnostic and, and tell you that, or even satanic. Well, you know, the only reason they know who to worship as Satan is because the Bible told them. The devil is real, but in God, he's nothing more than a tool. It's when we're trying to handle him or deal with him without God is where things get us in trouble. They get to be kind of tough. Because God is the ultimate authority. He's the ultimate power. And when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, I think that reference in the King James uh, Version of the Bible is 30 times. And just a few references. Uh, the Scripture tells us that the fear of the Lord, this is Psalms 19 and 9. The fear of the Lord is clean. His judgments are true and righteous altogether. So notice this. The fear of the Lord, that phrase, is clean. But what about the spirit of fear that God hasn't given? Let's do it this way. It's unclean. It's not from God. It's something that the devil has taken that was pure, and I'll, I'll quote some scriptures to you about it here, and changed it to a lie. It's the thing that makes us afraid of God. And it's always accompanied with a mindset that I'm a sinner, that I'm in sin. But let me ask you a question. Did Jesus die for your sins? Did Jesus give his life and shed his blood? 
and sin, the grace of God into your life, like the Bible says that love covereth a multitude of sins, so which one is it? Are you a sinner or are you covered? Are, are you separated from God and God's still mad at you? Or are you um, taken care of? Are you walking in his grace? See, we're saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This is a wonderful gift that God has for every single one of us here today. It's his grace. It's how we're saved. We're saved by grace through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So Jesus has performed the works. What do we have to do? What is our part in this whole thing? Let's join with him in that yoke. In other words, let's agree with him that his work, what he has done on uh, Golgotha and Calvary, fulfilling the will of his father, what he has done is enough. Is it enough? I believe it is, and that's how I live my life. I live my life free. And I'm not saying that I live my life crazy or, you know, without rules or laws or um, common sense. But uh, I, I do not live my life in condemnation. And I hope you do not either. Paul said, um, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Whose condemnation is it? It's the devil's. It's not yours. But I've said this before, and I'll probably say this to the end of time. One of the greatest weapons that the enemy, called the devil and Satan, uses against God's people is he convinces them of sin. He convinces you of his condemnation. He convinces you to take on his judgment. In other words, this fear that I'm talking about that's unclean, he tells you to separate yourself from God, be afraid of God, because God's going to kill you. You ever thought about that like that? Anybody ever sit through a good old Pentecostal hellfire and brimstone message, huh? Have you? Whew, you'd be begging God to get you out of hell, huh? Out of that fire that's burning you up and licking at your feet. I know I have sat through a few of them. Now, hell is a real place, and heaven's a real place for sure. But God has a plan through Jesus Christ to join you with him by grace, through faith, and give you a gift called eternal life. Huh? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, God gave you that. He gave me that. He gave us his son. And if I don't get going on this lesson, I'm just going to stand up here and preach all day long. So go with me to Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter. And that was a little bit of review. We've been talking about fear. We've been talking about one that's clean. I'm going to make it simple here today. The fear of the Lord is clean. The spirit of fear that God hath not given us is a perverted fear. It's, it's one that's been changed. Let's do it real simple. It's unclean. Okay? And, and Jennifer, God, didn't the Lord tell you, touch not the unclean thing, come out from among them, uh, be my people, I'll be your God, I'll walk up and down in the midst of you. So you separate yourself from the, the unclean fear that I'm getting ready to talk to you about right now. And we're going to use Israel for an example. Israel is God's people. He has chosen them to be his people. Deuteronomy 7 and 7 says he set his love upon them that he did not choose them because they were more than all the people. They were actually least of all the people, Bryce. And they weren't the strongest and they weren't the mightiest. But it says that he remembered the oath that he had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He remembered his promise, Edith, and he set his love on Israel. That's why, Julie, that they were his chosen people. 
That's why Israel is called uh, his son. I believe that, what, Walker, Exodus 4, 23, 24? Talks about a multitude, and then he calls them uh, plural, singular, I'm sorry, he addresses them plural, and then brings them down and says, it's one, it's my son. That's the unity of God. Isn't that awesome? That's where we're at with one church, one body, one God, one Father who's above all in you, in you all. God's all about unity, I'm going to tell you right now. So, Deuteronomy 5th chapter, I'll set this up. This is the second time that Moses has given Israel by the law, given the law to Israel. I, let me say it this way. God's given it by the mouth of Moses. All right? With that? And we went last week from Exodus, the 20th chapter. And uh, in that chapter, how many commandments, Walker, did they give? Ten commandments. For those of you that weren't here, Walker taught a study recently, and when he addressed the Ten Commandments, he said God gave twelve commandments. So I wanted to know what two I'm missing on. <laughs> what two Walker got in the spirit and I don't know about, you know. <laughs> we had a little bit of fun with that, didn't we, Walker? But he, he put Ten Commandments on two tablets, and he tells Moses to speak these to the children, uh, the children of Israel, but also, he gives Israel an invitation, Mike. Come up to this mountain where I'm going to give Moses the Ten Commandments. Come up to this mountain and hear from me face to face. And you know how we've preached it in the, in the past? And I might even have said this last week. Israel missed their opportunity to hear from God face to face. Wait till I read this here today. They didn't miss it. It says they did hear. They did hear. But they were afraid. They were living in the wrong fear. They were living in a fear like Adam had after he, his wife had a conversation with the serpent in the garden. What always precedes the spirit of fear? A conversation with the devil. Sin. Believing you're in sin. Walking after a mindset of, of being separated and in sin. God comes to uh, the garden. He looks for his son. Adam and says where art thou Adam what did Adam say I hid myself I was naked and afraid and, it, and I'm paraphrasing but go read it he was naked he was afraid did God know he was naked he created him that way he didn't have a problem with it who had a problem with it Adam after he had had the conversation with a serpent and now he's afraid of God so I just want to re reiterate this real quick Almost every time when the Bible talks about being afraid, you're in a fear that separates you from God, that tells you you should not come to God, that God is going to kill you, God is going to destroy you. Israel even had the mindset that God is a consuming fire. Now, is that true? It says it two or three times in the Bible. We're going to read it in Deuteronomy 4. We're going to read it in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Our God is a consuming fire. But what they didn't understand was God's a consuming fire to the enemy, not to that which is his. Adam's afraid because he has now sinned through disobedience. And the Lord God commanded the man of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat thereof. For in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. God told the truth, didn't he? And, and what did Adam do? When he should have went and freely ate of all those trees of life in the garden, did he get a little curious? Did he wonder, 
what is this uh, tree all about? As a matter of fact, I've never experienced it. What's death all about? See, curiosity will kill the cat at times, huh? What is this he's telling me I can't do? I've been able to do everything. What is it I can't do? Sometimes it's just better to be obedient and listen and trust God and say he knows what he's talking about. He said not to eat. Therefore, this death thing is probably, Nicole, not a good thing. So I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to be obedient to his word. And and I'm not going to eat of that tree. But instead, he hearkened to the voice of his wife. She had the conversation with a serpent. She eat, uh, gives to him, he eats, she eats of the, the fruit of the tree. And now by one man's disobedience, sin enters the world. Here's the good news though. We have a New Testament that was in Genesis. The good news is by one man's obedience, many are made righteous. So by the work of Jesus Christ, by the obedience of Jesus Christ, we can be a partaker of his righteousness. Join with him. That's awesome. What a, what a precious promise and a hope. Now, Deuteronomy 5 and 1. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn them and keep them and do them. Now, real quick, we got a lot of ministry in this church. We got a lot of deacons. You deacons should be perking your ears up right here because I'm going to leave something open-ended for you to teach. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. There are times when people think the commandments of the Lord are grievous. No, 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 no. The commandments of the Lord are there for your benefit. They're there, first of all, for God to show you, I love you and prove it to you. And when you keep the commandments, you've been proven you love me also. See, we love him, the scripture says, because he first loved us. Make sense? But look what he said here. He's getting ready to give these commandments. Jen, are you paying attention? Look at this. That he may learn them, keep them, and do them. Learn, keep, do. Interesting, isn't it? So he's given them so they may learn, keep, and do them. Verse 2. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. That's the mountain that God uh, called Israel to that Moses went up into. It's also called Mount Sinai. That's where he chose to give the Ten Commandments and an invitation to Israel to come up and commune with him, to have a conversation, Bryce, to talk with him face to face. It says, The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us. So what else did he call him up there for, Julie? To give an oath, to make a covenant with Israel, like he did with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'll read it again. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even to us, who all, who are all of us here alive this day. Verse 4. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount out of the midst of the fire. Wait a minute, Walker. It says he, he did talk to them. They did hear him. He talked with you. Now, I was going to do this in the beginning. I'll do it right now. In this lesson, we're going to cover and talk to you about godly fear. We're going to talk to you about the spirit of fear. We're going to talk to you about having an understanding heart, how at times we misunderstand God, we misinterpret Him, and when we misunderstand Him and misinterpret Him, we will separate ourselves from Him. 
When we don't understand God, we'll walk in a fear that somebody else has told us, this is how you got to handle God. This is how God looks at you, Aunt Diane. This is how God feels about you. If you want to know somebody and you want to know how they feel about you, Vicki, what is the best way of doing that? Hearing it from the horse's mouth, right? Not a, you know, you ever do that game? We got a lot of teachers in this room here today. If I said a, a sentence to Christy here, and she whispered it in Summer's ear, and Summer whispered it in Jennifer's ear, and we went through this whole room, all the way in a snake shape here, and got over to Walker, do you think for a second that would be the same as what Christy heard? How many of you have ever done that before? We did it in school. Scott's saying, I've done it. It doesn't, it's not the same. There's a different meaning. There's a, a difference all the way around. So, again, reiterating, what's the best way to hear it? Face to face. Hear it right from God. But because Israel was afraid of God, they were in a fear that was not godly fear, that it wasn't, as we'll read, his fear. They didn't know God. And they separated themselves from God. And they said, whoa, God is here to kill us. We read last week in Exodus 20, he said he was bringing them up there to do what? Anybody remember? Right after the commandments. He said, fear not. Let's go in the order, Julie. What did he say? He said, you're right, that my fear or his fear, talking about God, his fear would before, be before your face. But he called them up, Jennifer, to prove them. Huh? To prove them. He was going to see what was in their heart, and he told them, fear not. Moses is speaking it to him, Jennifer. Fear not. For God has called you up here to prove you, to see if you love him, and to put his fear before your eyes. You know what I would have said when Moses said that? Wait a minute, there's two fears? Somebody teach me about this. What is the deal? What is his fear compared to what I'm in right here? And I'm so glad you guys have prayed that and asked that because I'm going to answer it for you here today. And we have been already answering it. Verse, oh, the other thing we're going to look at is, uh, we'll read it right here. They were afraid of God. But very specifically, they were afraid, they saw the thunder, they saw the lightnings, they saw a, a dark cloud, but you know where their fear was really directed at? They were afraid of the fire. They were afraid of the fire, Bryce, out of all of it. Now, what, it, what is the fire? Well, say, don't you know you put some gas on some wood and you take a match? Could it be beyond that? In, De in um, Deuteronomy and Hebrews 12 says, our God is a consuming fire. Uh, you know, there's different allegories and metaphors for the Word of God. Paul said that concerning the church is washed by the washing of water by the Word. So when you look at water, is it talking about the Word of God also? How about fire? It is, it is. Is that Jeremiah 4 and 11, Walker, it talks about these people are wood and my word is a fire. So when you're, when you're talking about being baptized, Jesus said you must be born again, right? But he said of the water and the spirit. All right, we can do that. But when John the Baptist testified of Jesus, Nicole, he said, I've come to baptize you with water unto re repentance Water baptism under repentance for the remission of sins. That's my job. I've come to baptize you with water. But he said, there's one that comes after me who's mightier than I. 
whose shoes I'm not worthy, worthy to latch. He said, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So do you really think we got to go through a physical fire to burn up? No, thank you, Vicki, no. It's a metaphor. It's telling you what the fire is. And I'll just tell you right now, the fire is what can con cleanse you or consume you. Paul addresses this in his writings in the church of uh, Corinth. He said, talking about when man is judged, if any man bring works of wood, hay, and stubble, you know what I'm talking about, huh, Julie? Wood, hay, and stubble, then his works are going to be burned up. Yet, he'll be saved as yet by fire. So fire saves you. You can look it up if you guys want to. We can talk about it right now, or we can keep going and talk about it later. But um, he said, if any man bring works of gold, silver, precious stones, see, fire put to gold does what to it? Oh, it purifies it, doesn't it? You heat that precious metal up like silver, Johnny, or like gold, all the dross comes to the top, and you, you get that, rake that stuff out of the way, and then what do you have? Like something pure. A precious metal of gold, silver, copper, whichever one you are looking at. So the gold, the fire, either destroys you or it saves you. But you know, in that portion of scripture, when Paul addresses it, he said, if any man suffer it, if any man's works are burned up by this fire, he will suffer loss, yet he himself shall be saved by fire. Well, Israel's not looking at God saving them here. They've taken on the mindset of being separated from God, not being worthy of God, even though he says you're worthy. You, you ever think about that? I know we've all done it, but we'll, we'll say, I'm just not worthy of God. That could very well be a false humility. But what do you mean? If God says you're worthy and you say you're not, then guess who the liar is? <laughs> you and I. We are. Was it Romans 3 and 4, let God be true and every man a liar? Every time I quote that scripture, all the women say, Amen! <laughs> let God be true and, and all men liars. Um, but yeah, that could work a false humility. So God's telling Israel, I'm ready. I'm willing. I would give you an invitation to come and hear from me face to face. And this fear, the spirit of fear, has caused them to be afraid. Just like Adam, I was afraid and I hid myself. Just like on Thursday night, we went through the parable of Matthew 25 with the ten talents and, well, five, two, and one. But why did the slothful servant not take God's talent, put it to the usury, and have, have him, what he had, uh, put it to the money exchangers, have what he had with usury when he got back? Why? Why did the one become an unfaithful servant? Slothful, Julie. He said, I took what you gave me, and I hid it because I was afraid. Are you with me? I was afraid. I hid it. And he was proclaimed to be that wicked and slothful servant. Now, we'll see if we can just touch bases on this. And I hope you have an ear to hear and you can do this. But when he was addressing God, when he was saying, Jennifer, I understand you, Lord. You're an Austrian man. You reap where you sow not. I, I got you. I know how you work. Go back and read that. The Lord told him basically, and I'm going to put it in layman's terms, if you knew how I worked, then you would have took my money and put it to the exchangers and, and made another one. In other words, you don't understand me. You don't get me. You're not looking at me correctly. 
You're not interpreting me correctly. You know why we have 44,000 different Christian denominations in this world we're living in? I just heard the other day, Josh, there's 8 billion people on this planet now. They went that high. 8 billion people, Cole, on our planet now. Whoo! 44, and probably climbing, different interpretations, some are different thoughts of how God works. Look at the division in that, Mike Green. Isn't that crazy? But that it's supposed to be that way because God is the one that's supposed to tell you who he is. God is the one that gives you the interpretation. He gives you the understanding, and he calls you up, and I'll say it this way, into a personal relationship with him, Rick, where you know him and he knows you. And it's not somebody else. Now, I'm not talking about getting a guide and somebody that knows God to help you become more spiritual um, because the Lord knows we need our leaders. Let's go all the way to the top. We need Jesus. We need apostolic ministry. We need the fivefold ministry being the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I hope you've come to the conclusion you know you need me. I've been here over 20 years, so it seems like you kind of figured some of it out. You need one another. We have deacons in this church. We have teachers. We, you know, it goes all the way down. In other words, we need one another to stay in a unity, to, to stay in one mind and, and one thought, in one will of God, um, serving God together. Amen? Because you're going to see here, they were afraid of that fire. Verse 5, Moses said, I stood between the Lord and you at that time, to show you the word of the Lord. So Moses is a mediator. God's talking to Moses. He said, I stood between you two. Why, Jennifer? There's a problem. You need a mediator. Anybody ever go and need help or counsel and have somebody mediate a relationship with them, whether it's husband and wife or... Sometimes that's a very good thing, huh? You just got to know who you're going to. And then, you know, you don't go to marriage counsel with somebody that's never been married before. You don't get, get help with your kids with somebody that's never been, had kids before. Because it's one thing, right, Tim, to learn about mechanic and uh, building cars and everything in a book. It's a whole different story to experience it, isn't it? <laughs> you get that genius that knows about all these things with a book, and you put him under a hood with Tim Gallant, and he's going to look foolish. Because he hasn't experienced it. When, you, when you're looking for counsel, get somebody with some experience, whether it's marriage counsel, whether it's your uh, raising children, or the greatest counsel of all, getting closer to God. Amen? Verse 5. Moses said, I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid by reason of the fire. Did you hear that? Why were they afraid? By reason of the fire, did they not understand the fire? Did they not understand God? They didn't understand that the fire was there, and I'm going to show it to you in the scriptures. Back in the fourth chapter of Deuteronomy, where, where we're reading, where we are reading, um, it said Israel was already taught that God was a consuming fire. It says it like that. So they knew. Jennifer, that God is a consuming fire. But you know what they left out of it? When God said he was a consuming fire, he said he was there to consume the enemy. He wasn't there to consume what was his, what he loved, Israel. He was there to consume the enemy. 
and they missed it. They didn't understand, and they put their mindset in the thought of the enemy or in the thought of sin and said, you are against us. You will destroy us. You're going to take our life, and you are going to kill us. It was not God's thought. It was not God's intent. God's intent and God's thought was, I'm going to prove you. I'm going to show you that I love you, and I'm going to put my fear, godly fear, before your eyes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, the beginning of, of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is clean. <laughs> it endures forever. There are so many things about the fear of the Lord that are so much different about this spirit of fear that the enemy, the devil, has taken God's pure word, Tim, that brings you wisdom and understanding and perverted it and caused you to separate yourself from God. He does that stuff all the time. He's an imitator. He's a mocker. He's a counterfeit. And I'll just tell you right now, as I've told you many, many times, without the word of God, he has no power whatsoever. You can believe in Amityville horror all you want to. You can believe in all the stuff Hollywood puts in your mind you want. But I'm going to tell you right now, spiritually speaking, the devil has no power without the word of God. He's got to take that word of God, pervert it, and use it against you. And I mean that seriously. You can believe whatever you want to. You have that right. I'm just here to hopefully lead you in, in what God has given to me. So they were afraid by reason of fire. Let's go back and look at this real quick in uh, Deuteronomy 4. I'm almost done for this week. Where again, this is going to be a three, uh, three recording series for sure. All right. Deuteronomy 4. So the previous chapter, he showed them this. Let's uh, start in verse 23. Take heed unto yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. Am I correct, Walker, in saying that the Tenth Commandment was that? Not to uh, uh, have any idols or anything? In other words, don't replace God with something else. The first one was to put him first, to love him first. Then you got all Ten Commandments. The last one was, don't create an image. Don't make a God besides me. I'm the only God. So he, he reminded them of that. And then he said, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. So when they saw the fire, Mike, they're like, only thing they thought was, he's going to kill us. He's going to destroy us. Wouldn't that be like a sabotage to say that you could come up and hear my words, you can hear from me face to face and then kill you? Yeah, it's, it's hilarious, isn't it? That's not God. That, Joyce, that's mean. That, that's just evil, isn't it? So the way they were thinking was evil, not God. God wasn't evil. That wasn't his plan at all. Somewhere he's like, I'm going to talk to you. Oh, I know what I left out of there. When I said he was going to prove them, he also said, so you will be without sin. Go back and read it, Exodus 20. So you will be without sin. So he planned on taking this fire that they were afraid of and burning their sin up and joining them to him in a oneness and they missed it. Or as Rick would say, they messed it. <laughs> Our pastor in uh, Chicago there, Rick Rush, he doesn't even realize he, he does it. But, you know, instead of saying miss, he'll say mess. You messed it. <laughs> Tried to show it to him a hundred times and don't worry. <laughs> Actually, I, I think after a few times I stopped. But uh, God bless Rick, huh? 
Oh, where were we? Verse 25? No, 26. Wait, which one, Tim? We just read 24. Uh, he's a consuming fire, a jealous God. Verse 25. When thou shalt beget children and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land and shall corrupt themselves and make a graven image or the likeness of anything and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to, to anger. So wait a minute. He says he's a consuming fire, but who's he against? Those that do evil. You say, well, I do evil. I have bad thoughts. I don't always think right. That's why you have the grace of God. That's, that's why you have Jesus Christ. He understands you don't always do everything right. He understands that we make mistakes and we don't think right all the time. So you know what he said? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took on the form of a servant and humbled himself even to the death of the cross. So he says, I know you don't think right. So Jennifer said it today in announcing, I made a way, I made the truth, I made the life. This is the way into the Father. Join with me and I'll be kind and merciful and gracious to you and I'll teach you and I'll lead you. And in the meantime, your mistakes will be covered by the blood of Jesus. The only thing God can't work with, the only thing God can't work with is an unwilling heart. He will not go against your will. One of the greatest gifts that you have as human beings in this life and you even have in eternity is God gives you freedom of choice. He is a gentleman. He will not go against your will. He will not force you to accept him or do anything. But he will lead you and he will guide you. He will help to persuade you with his love that I'm not the way you think I am. Let me teach you. Like we read earlier, what were they, Jennifer? Teach, keep, do his commandments. You know what? I'm going to stop right there. I feel like I'm in a good place. And um, sometimes people can only keep attention so long. Huh? So we'll stop here. Do I have any questions? And we'll pick it up right from here next week. No questions? Wonderful. Well, I like questions, but... Maybe we'll get them in the Bible studies and stuff.